Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cagefatpress.com. I'm Dana Kobe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is still on the road. UFC Nashville is coming to you this weekend. We've got an exciting Bantamweight main event between Corey Sanhagen and Rob Font. And of course, we'll be breaking down all of that action as well as some of our other favorite fights on this main card. It's part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, as always, we are talking to a couple of fighters. Kicking off the show this week is Contender Series hopeful Cameron Smotherman, who is talking about his path to the UFC. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking to Alexa Kamer, who's fighting this week at UFC Nashville. And he's talking about that long road back to the UFC after a pretty long layoff. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. A drink that's, well, hey, it's very drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Well, it couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers simply don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape. And it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs. It's gluten-free and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak begging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer. And bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Cameron Smotherman, who fights Carl Lampros Grigoru at Dana White's Contender Series Week 2. That fight is on August 15th. So, Cameron, I wanted to start here. You, you win that Bantamweight Championship from Fury, which is already usually a sign of a call-up to the big show. And obviously, you know, the knockout being as devastating as it was. Did you feel like you knew this was coming next? Was this no surprise to you that the Contender Series was on the, the docket? Yeah, like, I, I was expecting uh, the call. I, of course, like, you're always, like, a little nervous. Like, well, am I going to get it? Because, you know, they were telling me I was going to get it, telling me I was going to get it. And I was like, they're like, hey, we just need you to fight one more time. You need to fight one more time. So I'm like, you know. But the with when, you know, the way I, the way I finished that last fight, I just knew. It was like, there's no way they could deny me. And how many times did they tell you one more fight? Because you you had some pretty big wins. The one over Adam Martinez, also a spectacular knockout. You had a couple of nice Fury wins before that. Did did they tell you that a couple of times or, or just one or two? Yeah, so I fought November, December, and then that last one in February. And I think after the after the November fight, they were like, Yeah, we can we think we think, you know, you can get it. But they were like, Hey, but you know, it wouldn't hurt if you fought one more time. You know, just to really be sure. So I was like, you know what? All right, I'll do one more. And then that's when I did the Adam Martinez. And I was like, you know, I, I got a great knockout on him, another walk-off. And I was like, okay, for sure, I'm in, right? Right? And they are like, yeah, so 
<laughs> maybe. How about you fight one more time? And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't even want to fight, but uh, Adrian Yanez actually took the fight for me. And so then I was just like, well, now I look like a, you know, a weenie if I if I don't take it. So. Oh, so I got to know what that means. What does it mean that Adrian Yanez took the fight for you? So, so the promoter Fury Eric Garcia talked to Adrian instead of me. And then he was just like, I just got a text message. Like, um, I had like like a missed call and a and a text message. And it's like, I sent you your contract. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then Adrian was like, yeah, man, you know, I took, uh, or I don't know, I, you know, I think it was like Jason House texting, like, oh, so excited for your for you to get this title. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so then I'm just like playing catch up, and I'm like, I don't want, I don't, I didn't want to take this fight. I didn't want to fight. Like I was like, I didn't want to fight for the title, but you know, it worked out. It did indeed work out. So I assume, uh, you know, then when you finally get the call that it's official, you're going to be on Contender Series, they got the fight all lined up for you. Sigh of relief, is that mostly what it's like? Nah, then it was like an immediate anxiety. Like my anxiety shots were like 15 out of 10. And because uh, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, it's like since I started, like that's that's what you're trying to get to. And then it's finally here, and you're just like, oh, uh. Yeah, and it's like, am I ready? I think I'm ready. Or it's not even if, like I know I'm ready. It's just like it's just a lot going on, a lot of pressure. Like, it's finally the big, the big moment, you know, like the moment in the movies where things change. Absolutely, and and also, you know, I I gotta ask before we move on to talking about this big moment and all of that too. You you kind of mentioned you had four fights in, or three fights rather in four months. Was that a lot for you? Is is that like you know? I, I mean, you've had a relatively packed career so far, but th- that's that's a little bit over the top, even. Like for me, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to like ever since I amateur um, up to now, I've only had an injury one time in a fight where I broke my nose. But um, if if I'm healthy, I want to fight. Like like nothing. Like I don't I don't ever come out of my fights. Like I mean, sometimes things will be sore, but. I feel like I don't, I've never even understood, I've never understood guys taking like two months off from the gym. Like even as an amateur, I remember getting so annoyed at looking at my teammates. I'm like, you like, you want an amateur fight? Like you ain't done nothing. Why, why are you taking, why are you taking all this time off if you're not hurt? And then there's always like other teammates getting ready for fights. So I'm like, you got to stay in the gym. So I'm like, and then, then if you're in the gym and you're healthy, you might as well fight. So I just figure, you know, if I'm not hurt, might as well fight. And those words are a promoter's dream. Now, that that's obviously what's led you to have, you know, you've had 11 pro fights in about two years. You know, you add the amateur stuff. I mean, you've been you've been fighting for like four or five years, right? And and you're still only 25 years old, but you've got this wealth of experience. Is fighting kind of always been what you knew you wanted to do? Because I mean, once you started, man, you jumped in with both feet. Oh yeah, so I I definitely did not want to be a fighter growing up. Like I was actually like I was I was like fighting is stupid. Like <laughs> like what's the, like what's the point of it? Um, and then I just I was you know I started training because I was bored or whatever. But I'm not, I'm like I don't sit on the fence and and I've actually I, I feel like you you fight like how your personality is. So it's like if you're if you're like a go getter, then you're usually a go getter when you fight. Or if you're a patient person you're a patient person when you fight for me i don't sit on the fence if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna i'm gonna do it all the way like like i don't i don't let you not pick a side it's like you're either with me or against me and so it's like i'm either fighting or i'm not fighting and if i'm fighting then i'm in the gym and i'm and i'm fighting as much as i can 
I dig that. Now you said you you started mostly because you got bored, like you, you you were looking for something to do. Now, if a guy d- thinks fighting's stupid and they need something to do, th- your first choice is fighting. Um, because because that seems like a weird <laughs> choice for me. So so how did you how did you wind up in the gym the first time? So my uh, my childhood friend, uh, he's been training MMA since we were like thirteen or fourteen years old, and he was always like. So we had a uh, we had cl- in class like I was like into cars, so I'd be like looking at car videos, but he was like looking at fighting videos, or whatever. So like I would like go watch them sometimes with him, and I'm like, yeah, it's don't do it for me. But then eventually it's just like I'm like, oh, that was kind of cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then it just kind of trickles down and snowballs. <laughs> and so then he was like, uh, hey, you should. Uh, he's like, you should come to the gym and, and and come train with me or whatever. And so I was like, you know, then me and and some other friends like went to the gym and we just watched him train. We didn't actually train. But I was like, well, this this is kind of cool. Like, you know, they were like kicking the bag or something. I was like, man, that was kind of cool. And so then uh, he just kept on like, you know, pressuring me like, hey, man, you should train, you should train, you should train. And so then when I went off to college, I was like, okay, I don't have anything to do. I don't know anybody out here. And then he was still texting me, like, I should train. So I was like, you know, let me go check out a gym or whatever. And so then I just, I went into the gym, and, and they were, the first day they were like, oh, man, this kid, this kid's so good. He's never trained before. Look at him. He's so good. And, you know, made my head big, and I felt good. But then the next day I went, um, I, like, convinced them to let me spar, and they are like, no, nah, I knew people can't spar. And I ended up getting a concussion, and I was like, <laughs> I was vulnerable, you know. I didn't think I was a tough guy, but I, I didn't. I thought I could take care of myself if I had to. I found out I couldn't. So then it was just like uh, I got addicted there. I was like, I need to be able to beat that guy up at the very least. And then I beat that guy up and got beat up by someone else. And I just kept happening until I met Adrian. I love that. Now, and th- that's interesting to me too because I was going to ask you about influences in your fight career. And, and obviously your friend who's showing you MMA videos at 12 or 13 is a big one. But I also know not only Adrian Yanez, but Rovian Stotts is a big influence on your fight career as well. What, what is having, you know, sort of two, you know, kind of training partners, compadres, whatever you want to call them, that are so high up in the MMA game do for you as, as you rise through the rankings? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's made such a, such a huge difference for me, like, because they're not just, like, uh, my training partners, but, like, we're, like, genuine friends. Like, you know, I know their family. They know my family. And, like, for Adrian, I got to – so I saw Adrian, Adrian – I joined the gym because I saw Adrian fighting in the LFA on TV, like, randomly. I didn't even – I had no idea who he was. Um, I just, you know, I happened to – I was actually rooting for the guy he was fighting. But uh, I thought Adrian got robbed in that fight, even though I was rooting for the other guy. And then – um and then I, I got to see him fight again another time, just randomly again on the TV. And um, and so I, I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, if if this this guy fights how I envision myself fighting in the future. And so somebody had to have trained that guy. And so I, I looked up, you know, the gym, whatever, Metro Fight Club and everything. And I, I came to the gym because I saw Adrian on TV. And so I got to see him go from the regional scene to the to the contingencies to the big show and now where he's at and just getting to see that firsthand seeing that rise like like that's how like it became attainable to me like it it was it was more than just like a a dream and so then when i met rafion he like he like really changed my game like as far as bringing the wrestling uh aspect but also like a mindset aspect of seeing like 
he's not much different from me. Like he's from the same, he's from the same city as me. Like he talks at me, he thinks like me and he made it to the highest level. Like he made it to a, a, a world title. So I was like, like, wow, like that, like it, even that's attainable. Cause it, it you know, it feels so far away when you, especially when you start, like when I met Adrian, I, I didn't even have an amateur fight, but then getting, getting to just come up with him or, or, or having him tell me like, he thinks that I'm going to, I'm going to make it to the big show. Like, he took me to uh, he took me to his UFC debut to be in his corner, and he did, and and I t- I was like you know thank you man like thank you for bringing me with you like you didn't have to do that and he was like oh he's 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 like I just brought you because I know that you're gonna I know you're gonna be here one day, and and I was just an amateur then I didn't even have a pro fight and it's like like you you believe in me like that like that I'm forced to believe in myself even more. And Rafian, you know, same thing. Like, he got a world title, and he was like, bro, you could be a world champion one day. Like, the way you work, like, you could be a world champion. And it's like, it just makes it just makes this dream, like, reality. It makes it so much realer to me. That's beautiful. I love that a lot. Now, I, I do have to quickly ask in here. You, you said Rafian Stotts brought you the wrestling part of your game and upped your wrestling to a new level. We really haven't seen a ton of that in Fury, right? You clearly enjoy throwing your hands way more than you enjoy wrestling. Is there a reason for that? Do you just like the excitement of, of boxing more than you like wrestling? Well, I mean, it's like it, it, it's it's it, you you know we've all been there in in a in a room and watching watching the MMA fight and and then there's always that one random person like man what are they doing on the ground like why are they just like rolling around <laughs> normal people don't understand like it's great like if you actually know or understand grappling then it's like wow this is amazing to look at. But you know, to to the casual fan, they don't understand it. And I I I, I fight like how I want to watch fights. Like whenever I first started, I was like, I'm my favorite fighter. Like I don't I don't understand how a lot of these guys are just like super boring. And I'm like, there's no way they could be fans of themselves. Like there's no way that they want to watch their fights. Like every every after every one of my fights, I watch my fights like religiously for for a week. You know, like I'm like, man, I'm 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 so cool. Um, and I, I just don't feel like you can do that with wrestling. Just, I mean, and, and like I like wrestling. You know, could be like Khabib is exciting. You know, he's trying to finish fights, but even then, people don't really understand. You know what he's actually doing. For sure, for sure. Now, I, I want to talk to you about that style a little bit and how it matches up with your opponent. But before I do, I, I'm a big fan of MMA nicknames. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the sport. My favorite part of interviewing fighters. And, and there's 100 hitmen, there's 35 warriors, there's, uh, you know, bulldogs. Guys, you know, those nicknames get used over and over again. You're probably the only babyface killer I've ever heard before. <laughs> so you got to tell me, where, where's the nickname babyface killer from? What's its origins? Who gave it to you? So I actually uh, didn't choose it. I guess that's how it's supposed to be with, with your nicknames anyway. But um, the announcer of Fury, uh, Jay Wayne, Wayne Leggett, uh, when he saw me, the first time he saw me, he was like, uh, hey, you know, like, he's like, you sold a good amount of tickets, you know, what, uh, what's your fighter nickname so I can give you that extra pop, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't have one, I'm, I'm going to just do me, and he's like, nah, you need a nickname, and so uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have anything, he's like, all right, I'm going to see what I can come up with, so I was like, okay, and then uh, I think I, I, I ended up having my first fight, no nickname, whatever, and then... um I had I had I had a couple more fights and then uh, the first nickname I came up with was uh, the sexy one, 
And, you know, everybody thought that was funny. Like, when they announced it, everybody laughed. But he was like, you know, that's funny, but, like, that's, that's not your name. So then I fought another guy, and I changed it to uh, El Matador because the guy's name was, uh, his guy's last name was Toro, which means bull in Spanish. So, so then he was like, ha, you know, again, that's funny, but no, nah, that's not it. So then he, like, uh, he just ran to me and was like, hey, I finally got your nickname, the baby face killer. Because everybody thinks I'm, you know, 15 years old anyway. Like, nobody <laughs> believes that I'm, I'm a grown-up with grown-up bills and, you know. Um, but so he said that, and then it just, like, sucked. And I was like, all right, well, people like it. I love it. So that's a great one. It definitely fits. So let, let's get to talking about this fight. Once again, you're fighting Char Lampos, Gregoru. He's also coming off of a couple of knockouts, similar to you. You know, you've sort of mentioned your your love for standing and banging and giving people a show. Do you think this guy is the the type of fighter who's gonna you know oblige you in that kind of fight? Who's gonna give you that kind of show? I think that he's telling himself that he will, but what generally happens is I I punch people a couple times and then they're like, man, this ain't what I thought it was gonna be, and then that's when that's when they like to uh, start wrestling with me. Um, and I feel like in his head, I think he's going, I think he thinks he's going to knock me out, but I feel like, I feel like he knows that like on a technical level, he can't really hang with me. So I'm, I'm betting he's, you know, just trying to, he's hoping to overwhelm me. And, you know, if that means like, like, I don't feel like for me, I'm like, I got, I'm gonna knock him out, but I feel like he's like, he's just very desperate to win. And, I, and uh, it sounds like the same thing, but it's not. That makes a lot of sense to me. And, and you kind of stole my last question here because I usually like to end these things with a prediction from the fighter. You said you're going to knock him out. Do you want to call your shot on uh, how and where and how? Yeah, I, man. I want, like, I, of course, a first round knockout would be ideal. But I could see me, like, knocking him out in round two. Maybe. Or, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's that's taking the the easy way out because I want to say like it could be anywhere from round one to early in round three, but probably you know I, I'm you know I'm just I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna say probably late late in the first round. I'm gonna get him out of there. All right. Well, I love to hear it, and I'm looking forward to it once again, fans. This has been Cameron Smotherman, who fights Chair Lampos Gregoru at Dana White's Contender Series Week Two. That fight is on August fifteenth. Cameron, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Cameron Smotherman. I once again have Dan. You've got to be freely joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we got to start here talking about UFC 291. Justin Gaethje comes out on top with a head kick knockout over Dustin Poirier. I don't want to talk about that fight. I don't want to talk about the fact that he's uh, he was maybe going to fight Poirier again in a trilogy or maybe fight Islam Makashev. I want to talk about what everybody else is talking about, and that is the fact that now Conor McGregor seems very interested in a match with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje has tweeted out, sign the contract, which seems to at least insinuate that there's a contract out there. Your thoughts on if Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje is in fact the next step. Yeah, it is because I just don't really care to see Connor versus uh, Dustin Poirier again. So at least Gaethje presents a fresh matchup, new things to think about, a new puzzle to be solved. But you look at Connor's inactivity over the last few years, his win loss record. 
I mean, look, I'm going to watch anything Connor does, but nothing Connor does actually like thrills me or has meaningful title implications to me. So at the end of the day, it's just like, all right, cool. It's another matchup. It's another Justin Gaethje fight. Guess what? You could pick a guy out of the street and match him against Justin Gaethje, <laughs> and it'd probably be really entertaining. Anything Justin Gaethje does is entertaining. He is one of the most exciting fighters to his own detriment. And it's getting better, obviously. And you saw it, you know, really come together uh, in his striking in the last couple of performances where he's not just throwing caution to the wind to, you know, excite fans, but really trying to be more measured. Uh, all that being said, any Gaethje fight's exciting. I guess any Connor fight is exciting just because of the personality, the cult of personality that is Connor. So yeah, that's an exciting fight. But again, Connor's inactivity, his actual win-loss record, his drive to be the best is near non-existent. Uh, so it doesn't really mean much to me, but yeah, I'll watch it. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, 100%. And I would say this about Conor McGregor, too. If he wasn't, you know, that personality that you're talking about, that person who can sell a fight in the press conference the way that he does, he, he's a guy fighting number 12 or 13 right now. You know, like even if he's number six or seven and he doesn't have that big personality, he's the guy they're feeding to the up-and-comers to see if they're ready for the big show. He's the guy who has to turn away Fiziev. He's the guy who has to turn away Armin Sakurian. He's the guy who's got to turn away Jalen Turner. And of course, he's never going to fight those guys because he's Conor McGregor, right? He doesn't have to, but that's who he is otherwise. So seeing him against the top five opponent, I don't have a lot of hope for him. Like you said, the inactivity, the drive, it's just not there anymore. But, you know, with all being said, if you are going to put Conor McGregor versus any of those top five guys, I'd rather it be the guy with the least amount of grappling. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and despite the fact that we're talking about, you know, Justin Gaethje, All-American wrestler, because everybody likes to bring up that he's got a wrestling background every time we talk about him, he doesn't really anymore, right? Like, it, th there's something, you don't use it, you lose it, right? And, and like, he, he kind of doesn't have any wrestling anymore, I would I would wager to guess, or I don't think he would use it against Connor anyway. So, like, if he's going to fight somebody at the top, I don't want to fight and see him fight Islam Makashev. I don't want to see him fight Charles Oliveira. I don't even want to see him fight Dustin Poirier because even Poirier's got some pretty low-key wrestling and, and some good jiu-jitsu when it comes down to it. I, I think he's the guy towards the top that I'd like it to see him fight the most. So, uh, yeah, you know, underwhelming maybe a little bit, but I like it better than the Chandler fight. Yeah, same here. And I'll tell you what I like even more than all of that. It's uh, UFC Nashville this weekend because for a fight night, there are some good matchups here, Gumby, or at least some performers that I'm always excited to see. So let's get into our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays for UFC Nashville. But before we get into it, actually, let's pause for the cause. I want to know, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Cut That. Hey, guys, I'm sure you have the same problem as we do, and that's having a really hard time keeping up with all the different bets you've made against your friends. Who's paid? Who hasn't? What were the terms? Well, we came across a cool new app that's called Cut that formalizes the process so you don't have to check the notes in your phone or scroll endlessly through your group chat to find those bets. It's essentially a better version of Venmo, except for betting, with interactive features that make it more social. It tracks all your bets. It allows you to create your own lines and see your records against your friends. And perhaps more importantly, it ensures that you get paid when you win. Go check them out at cut.com 
or on Instagram at CutBet. That's K-U-T-T. And personally, my favorite part of it is that you can set those lines yourself so you don't have to worry about paying the juice on either side. You see negative 140 plus 120. We meet right in the middle, negative 130 plus 130. That's a good line for everybody. So check them out. Once again, that's K-U-T-T.com. I love that so much. I have had so many bets with friends, and I won't name any names on a public podcast, uh, where they didn't pay me, Gumby. And I wanted to murder them. And, uh, you know, this kind of keeps everyone honest, and it does the work. So I think that's a really cool idea. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Corey Sandhagen is a very large favorite, uh, over 3-1 to really, minus 315, to Rob Font, a plus 260. Rob Font, the ever-plucky Rob Font. Oh, he's a live dog, though. He's coming off a big TKO win over Adrian Yanez. He had lost to Marion Vera and Jose Aldo before that, so he's 1-2 in his last three. Sandhagen uh, had lost two in a row to TJ Dillashaw via split decision, very controversial, and Piotr Jan via unanimous decision, but has since come back and uh, gotten a TKO doctor stoppage over Song Yudong and a split decision win over Marlon Vera. So he is two and two in his last four. He's the big favorite here. Who you got? I got Corey Sanhagen. I got him for a number of reasons. Number one, and perhaps the biggest one here that I think people are sleeping on, is the fact that Rob Font is taking this fight not on short notice because he was in camp to fight Song Yudong anyway in Boston at the end of the month, but it did shorten his camp by two weeks, which I think is pretty significant. And in addition to that, when you're fighting Song Yudong, that's a power puncher who has really short reach, right? He's got really short arms and he he just wants to slug, got a little bit of wrestling. And now he's going to be fighting Corey Sanhagen, who is perhaps the lankiest dude in the division, hits you from weird angles. It's like a new age dominant cruise in that way and sleepy good wrestling sometimes like a new age dominant cruise. So I think he's going from fighting, you know, preparing for one style, then cutting two weeks out of his training camp to fight a guy who, let's face it, if Aljamain Sterling isn't in this division, Corey Sanhagen might be a champ, right? Like he's that good. He, he would have been right there for a title shot had, you know, Aljamain Sterling not backpacked him and rear naked choked him in like a minute. I mean, he was right there with Piotr Jan. Some people argue he won that fight. I do think he won the TJ Dillashaw fight. He's out there putting it on Cheeto Vera. Like this guy is just at another level right now. I think he picks apart Rob Font from the outside and, uh, and, and wins pretty comfortably here. I like it. I agree. I will, uh, I, I will say that I always like Rob Font as a live dog. So depending on what your appetite is, for putting money on a guy who's more than likely going to lose. And I would never recommend you bet one-to-one. Eh, you never know. You know, what's your appetite? You want to throw 20 bucks on Rob Font to catch a KO somewhere in here? Not the worst, but, you know, Sandhagen, ever so lanky. I, I don't actually really see that. I don't have a great feeling about it. But again, Rob Font as a dog, just as a dog, is never the worst bet for you. Let's move on to a fighter that I have the utmost respect for. She's my favorite female fighter in the world currently. She took a big chunk of time off. She's back now. She's coming off a win uh, over Montana De La Rosa via guillotine choke. That was back in February of 2023. I am, of course, talking about Tatiana Suarez, who we once deemed the female Khabib. She is the best grappler in women's MMA. She might even be pound for pound the best grappler 
in all of MMA, but I hate those types of conversations, so I won't go there. Let's just say she is a great grappler, great takedowns, great top pressure, great submission game, and she's facing a former champion in Jessica Andrade who finds herself a plus 320 to Tatiana Suarez, a minus 390. Vegas gets it. Tatiana Suarez is for real, and Jessica Andrade has a brutal night ahead of her, coming off two losses in a row and having to face Tatiana Suarez. Tough day at the office. I know you're taking Tatiana Suarez, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. You want to talk about a path to victory for Jessica Andrade? What do you think? I mean, it's got to be the bomb, right? Like, that's all it is for her. Uh, and it, to be fair, that's kind of all it's been for her for a while now, right? Like, when, when she beat uh rose nama Yunus for the belt it was like she was getting picked apart on the outside she got a grappling position and she slammed her on her head um and that's always the thing about jessica andrage is she's got scary power but the fact of the matter is and why i like tatiana suarez in this spot is look jessica andrage just fought aaron blanchfield you said tatiana suarez might be the best women's grappler in mma right now if she's not it's aaron blanchfield right and what did aaron blanchfield do to her she took her down she ragdolled her on the mat, she choked her, and she got her out of there. And now she's going to go down at weight class where there's somebody equally as strong and maybe the, you know, either the 1B or the 1A of that 1A, 1B conversation with Aaron Blanchfield of being the best women's grappler right now in Tatiana Suarez. She's facing somebody who does a lot of the same things. Only, I would say this, maybe a little worse jujitsu out of Tatiana Suarez, but more suffocating wrestling and ground and pound. So I just don't see Jessica Andrade getting back up after she goes down once. So, yeah, give me Tatiana Suarez here all day. Uh-huh. No sugar. All right. Uh, I'm going to brutal this last name. <laughs> Kennedy Nizajiku, uh, minus 150, and Dustin Jacoby, a plus 135. Our boy Kennedy is coming off a win. He's actually on a three-fight win streak. He had taken a split decision loss back in March of 2022. And now reeled off three wins in a row to Carl Roberson, Ian Kutaleba, and coming off a guillotine choke over Devin Clark. Um, our boy Dustin Jacoby, on the other hand, is on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Khalil Roundtree and Azamat Mergazanov. Uh, so he needs a win in the worst way, but he finds himself here a plus 135 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go dog here. I'm going to go Dustin Jacoby and for a couple of reasons. Number one, first of all, I, I don't think he's on a two fight losing streak, despite the fact the record shows that uh, Khalil Roundtree won that fight by split decision, but he didn't win that fight. Dustin Jacoby won that fight. And Merzakhanov is a completely different animal. That dude's a top 10 dude in the UFC right now. So the reason I also like him stylistically against Kennedy is Kennedy is a really long dude, right? 83 inch reach at light heavyweight is huge. But the problem is, is because he's so long, he's developed some like tall guy tendencies where he doesn't have to worry about, you know, better strikers getting to him. He can just lean away a little bit or, you know, he can poke that jab out there without having to worry about people countering him. And he's up against the guy who fought everybody there was to fight in glory kickboxing, maybe not everybody, but a ton of people who were there to fight in glory kickboxing for a while. And has since looked amazing in his striking. He's low key. Got some pretty good wrestling, which he doesn't get to use all the time. I think Dustin Jacoby is just going to outclass him. I think Kennedy and Zuchuku is just going to be hittable in a lot of positions here. So I'm going to go dog here. I like Dustin Jacoby. Ooh, I like this call. Um, well, let's actually talk about you're taking the dog there. What's our official dog of the week. So our underdog of the week is going to be Oday Osborne. He's fighting Asu Almabayev, and Almabayev is making his debut this weekend. 
we, we actually saw a different fight out of Kazakhstan making his debut uh, a previous weekend against uh, Tyson Nam. I think it was two weekends ago. And, and the lines are completely juiced to these fighters coming over from Eastern Europe, right? People are all excited about how good they could possibly be. But I'll tell you something. Watching Almabayev, he shoots his takedowns from so far away. And he gets them on the regional scene in Kazakhstan because, you know, hey, you know, he's probably not fighting the highest of the high in terms of competition over there or in, in Brave, which is where he's fought previously before. But the thing about Ode Osborne is, first of all, Ode Osborne's really long. He's hard to get on the inside of. He pumps a jab really well. And I know he's skinny. I know it doesn't look like he's a wrestler, but the dude was a high-level high school wrestler at a point. So, like, I, I think people sleep on how good his takedown defense can be at times. He's really hard to get down. So I'm going to go with Ode Osborne here. I think he pokes the jab from far away. I think he stuffs enough takedowns that this guy gets absolutely overwhelmed on the feet. So give me Ode. Our parlay to play is Jeremiah Wells, a minus 130 favorite, and Sandhagen, the big minus 315 favorite. You pair it together, get your plus 133 odds. Let's hear it. So I talked about why I like Corey Sandhagen. I, I think Rob Font, you know, like you said, a dog, a, a dog, a guy who's a game opponent all the time. But at the end of the day, he's a guy who was not preparing for Corey Sanhagen and is now suddenly fighting him in a five-round main event. That's not easy to do. So I like him in a parlay. But to make those odds a little sweeter, I'm going to pair him with Jeremiah Wells. Jeremiah Wells, coming out of one of my favorite fight camps right now, Team Daniel Gracie, uh, Henzo Gracie Philly. He is absolutely throwing bombs um and in addition to that a really good wrestler and as we saw with carlston harris in his last fight against jared gooden uh he just is a guy who's there to be hit and for me if you're there to be hit against a big power puncher and that power puncher is only in minus a buck 30 that's a spot i want to hit so give me jeremiah wells and sanhagen and let's get some plus odds there a spot you want to hit i love it well we're having a party here gumby let's keep hitting our spots what should we do next we're going to transition now to my interview with Alexa Kamer, the Stipe Miocic prodigy who is fighting this weekend at UFC Nashville. He's talking about that big, long layoff he had and trying to right the ship with his recent run. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. I enjoy to me today is Alexa Kamer, who fights Tanner Boser at UFC Nashville. That fight is on uh, August 5th. So, Alexa, I wanted to start here you know, it's been two years since we've seen you in the cage. You stepped away after that Nagumaranu loss due to some nerve damage in your elbow. H has that been what's kept you out for all this time? Or there have been other things that have popped up in there too? Uh, mainly the elbow, uh, for that moment being, uh, it, it, uh, it was pretty serious. Um, I had, uh, the main part that I kind of noticed is I had like atrophy in my hand, which is, uh, deterioration of your of your muscle in that area so the nerve endings got kind of like uh cut off i wasn't able to send signal to my hand properly and some muscle uh was just dying down a little bit so it was a bit scary uh saw the right people got it fixed up unfortunately recovery was a bit longer than i thought and then you know, we just kind of got into the swing of things after that and eased our way in. So, yeah, mainly the elbow that that held us back there. Uh, and it was shortly after the fight, we were just, um, we were taking some time to really figure out what was going on. So we couldn't immediately uh, do anything about it, but we were we were trying to figure out what was going on. Once we once we found out, we, we got it fixed up. 
And, and obviously with this being a degenerative thing, this isn't something that just popped up overnight. How, how long had that been bothering you before you were eventually able to do something about it? I mean, any any fighter knows we're not in a uh, like an off-season sport, off-season, on-season sport. So this is like we train 365 days a year. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to find, uh, find time to, you know, properly recovery if you're, if you're really injured. And when you do find that time, it's, it's probably usually cause it gotten pretty serious and you just have to, uh, find that time to recover. And that's just what happened to me, uh, just over time training and just the way we train, how hard we train. Uh, I guess, I don't know, my nerve just kind of had enough. And, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I felt something coming on. I really, I, I think I, uh, I, um, definitely, uh, when I was younger, took advantage of the fact that I kind of just go to sleep, recover, go to sleep, wake up feeling like, like I was a hundred percent. But now that I've gotten older, I have had some wear and tear on my body. So I'm, I'm learning the hard way now, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that longevity, uh, after training kind of kind of goes down so uh yeah it, it was but to answer your question it was lingering for quite a bit and uh i just i just had no idea and then um when we found out we took the right uh took the right um made the right decision to get that surgery done and just get it fully recovered and so you said, you know, only somewhat recently did you get back to training. Did you get back to putting a, a training camp together? Was there lots of limitations following that? Was there a long layoff even let you, you know, couldn't hit mitts, couldn't do, you know, road work or stuff like that? Uh, when when I initially got the surgery, it was it was quite a bit ago. Uh, but we, uh, I, I usually make a mistake of jumping into things a little too early and jumping the gun on especially injuries like this. So uh, I just, I, as hard as it was, I took the proper time. Uh, I didn't, um, as, yeah, and as difficult as it was to um, find time or discipline myself to not get in the gym and do something, that's exactly what I did. I I just kind of sat back and let it, um, let it heal on its own. Uh, but we did start training a quite a, quite a bit uh like uh a while ago we, we we it wasn't just recently just started training but we eased into it and we made sure that it was healthy enough to stand through a full camp and just get back to that healthy fighting um uh condition that we wanted it to be in so we didn't just get back into training but we we've been easing into it and we've been increasing the workload on it and now I'm super uh, confident in it. Uh, feels better than it, like, feels hundreds of times better than it did when I uh, when I initially got the injury after the surgery. It actually surprised me how much uh, it actually fixed. And, yeah, I, I'm, you know, super confident that it'll hold up uh, with whatever whatever's thrown at me. Well, that's great to hear. Now, I also have to ask, obviously, about the mental tax of all of this, because, you know, you're, you're coming off of a loss, one that's kind of controversial, right? Because, you know, you're, you're in there, you probably beat Nagumaranu. Not only do you beat him, he holds the cage and prevents a couple of takedowns that, you know, he clearly should have been docked points on. 
you wind up with your second straight loss and then you have to wait two years. Was it difficult for you mentally to deal with that kind of time away? I mean, it's something I, I've never uh, encountered myself with the career. Uh, I, we know what we signed up for, so I knew it was a possibility injuries like this happen. Uh, I didn't think this would be, like, as serious as it actually was. But, yeah, I mean, it did It did kind of do a little to my mental. Hour. I think I've been doing a good job of kind of brushing it off, especially the last fight. It did leave a sour taste in my mouth, and I do think, uh, I do think, you know, when we uh, appealed against it, I would have got some justice for, you know, what happened. But it is what it is. You can't change the past. So I'm just looking into the future. And we've had a good camp. And uh, as much as cage rust is a thing, I like to think that I'm going to go in there, you know, confident and uh, eager to, you know, showcase what I've what I've been trying to uh, get back to this past these past two years when people haven't been seeing me so pretty confident in, in our training and yeah I mean the mental I, I knew that that would come up in conversations interviews and whatnot it would be a topic of conversation for the whole fight but I, I'm I'm comfortable with it I'm okay and I'm you know I'm at peace with uh with that last fight as uh as as uh Mad as I was at the time being, I'm at peace with it and uh, just trying to move on now, get uh, get back in the cage and get my feet wet again. And that chance to get back in the cage once again comes in Nashville. It's against Tanner Boser, a guy who used to fight at heavyweight. You know, he, he's come down to 205 now trying to make his home there. What were sort of your thoughts when they first said, you know, Tanner Boser's the guy we want you to get your feet wet against again. Uh, and, and, you know, like how much had you known about him watching him before? Uh, I mean, I was familiar with the name. First off, uh, off rip, uh, I, I haven't gotten a, uh, an opponent where I kind of knew immediately who they were. Uh, Tanner Bowes is one of those guys where I, I've seen his fights. I, uh, I believe I saw his contender series fight to get in. He was in the contender series, no? Um, I, I, I would have to look it up, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was, but uh, I did see... Uh, a few of his fights. I know he's aggressive. I know he's a tough guy. Uh, it's gonna be a fight. matchup wise. I think it's, I think it's good. And recently, I found out that we're on the, uh, we're one of the uh, first fights on the main card. Uh, and I and I think that's, uh, I think you know, I think that's a good, exciting fight to, to put uh, put in front of, you know, that Nashville crowd. I think it'll be a fun fight and. Yeah, he's a tough guy. I have a lot of respect for him, and off rip, I knew, I knew who he was, and yeah, he's made a name for himself. I think it's a great fight, and I'm excited. So you mentioned you you really like the stylistic matchup about the fight. Is there something in particular that you you like about uh, Tanner Bolzer's style and how it matches with yours? Uh, I just personally, I just think it's going to be an exciting fight. He doesn't really uh, he doesn't really sit back. He's aggressive, and uh, he's uh. He's, uh, I mean, how do I say this? What's the word I'm looking for? He's gritty, you know? Uh, he's not scared to get his uh, his hands dirty, and neither am I. I think he'll come out to be an exciting fight. I think people will love to watch it. I think so, too. And, of course, before I end these all the time, I always got to ask, do you got a prediction? How's this one end in Nashville on August 5th? I uh, had no prediction on my end. I think I, I, uh, I say it enough times, but I... I 
to this point, truly, I have no predictions when I go out to fight. Uh, I know it's a, it's a fight and anything can happen. Uh, my main prediction is, you know, our game plan. I'm planning to get my hand raised by any means necessary. Uh, I am getting uh, married next year, so I do want a $50,000 bonus, you know, help out with that, uh, with that wedding. So if I, if I do have any power in it, if, uh, if it comes along, hopefully I can get a finish of some sort. Fight of the night would be, would be great as well. I think we're more than capable of doing that. So, you know, we'll see. I think it's just going to be exciting. My prediction is going to be exciting. I'm planning on getting my hand raised, but, you know, fight's a fight. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be good. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a good night. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it. And once again, fans, this has been Alexa Kamer, who fights Tanner Boser at UFC Nashville. That fight, once again, August 5th. Alexa, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you calling. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Heart Hydration and Cut. And, of course, we want you guys to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Danny Gubby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.